Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig, it's that time of year again, the the time we love the most. Yep. <laughs> Halloween time, special time for our podcast, as many of our longtime listeners know. We are coming at you this month with four Halloween-themed horror movies. And uh, we still have a lot to choose from. Starting this off was a movie that Craig selected. It is 2018's Blood Fest, directed and written yeah. by Owen Egerton, who also has a, a bit of a part in it. He's more or less the villain. And I had never heard of this before. I'm kind of surprised because I think the concept of the movie uh, is really, really cool. Owen, as a writer and director, has not done much. He's really just done a film called Follow in 2015, which I'm not familiar with, but seems to get some decent reviews. Uh, this movie and then something else called Mercy Black that followed it up. A couple things he's written right now are in pre-production. But uh, yeah, so, uh, but the cast, oh my God, the cast is just full of recognizable faces especially now in the Marvel era. So yeah. thank you for suggesting this. This is the first time I had seen it. What what clued you into this title? I don't know. I stumbled on it when I was looking around at stuff on streaming services, and I watched it, and that's when I said, we, we should do this. <laughs> it's got kind of a Halloween focus, but yeah. it, it's I mean, it mentions that it's Halloween at the very beginning and at the very end. So right. it counts. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I just thought that it was a cool concept and really kind of a love letter to horror fans. Oh, yeah. And not just for horror. Well, generally speaking, if you're a horror fan and you live in, in the United States, you're probably a bit of a Halloween fan, too. Yeah. And uh, if you're like a, a me, depending on where you live, there are usually haunted houses going on uh, at this time of year. Um, I know that in Kansas City, which was not too far from uh, where I was living for quite a while, and you too, Craig, there are huge warehouses that are just professional haunted houses that uh, yeah. spend all year kind of renovating and putting in new bits and pieces and animatronics and whatnot so that they can open up uh, in the middle of September through the end of October and make a boatload of cash. And they are so much fun to go through. And there was one, I, I took a trip with a friend of mine out to St. Louis uh, which is uh, not far from Kansas. I mean, they're basically opposite sides of the state. And St. Louis has a place that kind of reminded me of the of the Blood Festival in this movie. It's a haunted attraction that actually is is outdoors, and it's set up more of like a an experience, like a theme park. There are three or four different haunted houses. There's a haunted hayride kind of in the middle. Uh, to, to take you between them. It was almost like a Renaissance festival, <laughs> but for horror. And I thought that as I was watching this movie, I was thinking, God, at first anyway, this looks like the coolest place ever. Like, it would be perfect to go uh, to something like this this time of year, um, you know, except you don't want to get murdered, uh, for real. Right. But, but even, <laughs> even, even in Florida, Halloween Horror Nights is very similar to this, too, yeah, where they clear out yeah. the park Universal at Universal Studios, Studios and, and that's a blast, too. So these kind of, like, attractions, you know, if you're not in the U.S., they might seem odd to you, or, or you might not have this in your own country, but this kind of attraction is definitely around this time of year, and that's what this movie focuses on, and so I thought it was a perfect choice for this time. Yeah, me too, and like you said, of course, you know, despite, like, the murdering part yeah this this festival uh looks like it would be so much fun because it's just an homage to horror cinema i, I mean it's it's called blood fest and and it is a, a festival of course you know we'll introduce the characters and and whatnot coming up but it's just a huge outdoor festival that's divided into different areas that are all themed <laughs> Clown Town. And like some kind of horror <laughs> torture <movie. Yeah>. <laughs> It's like Disneyland, uh -huh. uh, Adventureland or something like that. Yeah. Vamp Camp, Asylum, Living Deadland. Uh, and it's just set out over this big outdoor area. And uh, it, it looks amazing. I mean, if you, the opening credits are over a map 
of Bloodfest, and it's set up like Disneyland, just like Disneyland is set up in different themed areas. That's what this is like, and it's massive, and there's tons of people there, and there's tons of stuff going on, and and music, and food, and all of these different attractions. Yeah, I mean, it it just, it looks uh, amazing, but (laughs) the concept of the movie, uh, well, and these different themed areas are are just barely masked. You know, they <laughs> right. because of copyright, it can't be something real and specific, but it's obvious what they are. Like Hotterton is obviously like the teenage slasher Halloween type place and Tortureville is, you know, the saw attraction and it's just a a lot of fun. I mean, it's it it had me smiling and giddy throughout, even as these young people are being chased by murderous <laughs> monsters and killers of different types. I was like, oh, man, this is so right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, it starts off with a mom and his and, uh, son watching a, a horror movie, an old Bell Lugosi black and white horror movie. And it's clearly Halloween. He's dressed in a costume. They're eating popcorn. They're just really enjoying it. I, I just thought this is a beautiful family picture, really. It was sweet. Really sweet. The dad pops in, says, I'm going to duck out. You guys okay? Yeah, he leaves. And then they have this nice little talk. And, you know, this is something that we've touched on because it does come up in, I think most recently, I think our discussion on Salem's Lot, where there's a kid who's really into horror and horror movies, and the movie itself sort of addresses that. Like, why are you into this? You know, should we be worried? This might be the first time that I've seen you know, a parent and their child actively sitting down enjoying horror together and the mom explaining to the kid. Mom, why do we watch these movies? Maybe because we're not supposed to. And they're fun. I thought these movies were scary. They are. It's so scary that most people would close their eyes or run away. But we don't. When the shadows are dark and the music is creepy and you know you should close your eyes. Wait, take a peek. Boom! <laughs> and laugh. Because now you know. You know what? That you're stronger than anything you're afraid of. This might have been the first time I've ever seen this kind of dynamic in a horror movie. Where usually it's the parents. I don't understand why you're into this garbage. Uh-huh. Um, in this case, it was really sweet. Uh, supportive like my parents were almost reluctantly at times <laughs> supportive of my of my horror habit when I was a kid so uh, it, it really sets it up well dad leaves and uh, mom goes to the kitchen for a glass of chocolate milk but then we see this figure behind her who's just you know it's it's your classic almost to cliche there's a lot of cliche moments in this film and it's yeah. it's a parody, you know, it's a comedy as well. So, you know, this 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 figure that kind of has a hooded hooded uh, rain slicker on or something and is holding a knife and has a mask and immediately the kid hears some noise and he walks into the kitchen and sees mom's legs, you know, behind the island like she's dead on the floor. Mm-hmm. This killer is is standing over her and oh my god, I mean my heart broke for this child immediately and then suddenly the dad jumps in with a gun and takes the killer down in two seconds after that we catch up with the kid as a teenager and uh, interestingly enough he's in a room filled with horror stuff like horror movie posters on the wall and masks and things like that and so he's really in a way really taken his mom's advice or feelings or whatever you want to say like that idea to heart where Instead of this traumatizing him from horror movies or horror or anything like that whatsoever, it seems to have horror seems to have been maybe a coping mechanism for him to face this this childhood trauma that he. Yeah, and he's a cute kid. His name's Dax. He's played by a kid named Robbie K, who was really recognizable to me. The only he's been in quite a lot of stuff. Uh, I recognized him that Disney soap opera show Once Upon a Time. Yeah. He played Peter Pan. He played Peter Pan on that. I watched that for a while and it was alright and then it kind of started to get silly so I uh, stopped. <laughs> but he was on that. And you, like you said, he's obsessed with horror. He's particularly obsessed with this fictional franchise called the Arbor Day franchise, which is hilarious. There really should be an Arbor Day franchise. I mean, why not? Right. <laughs> 
about the only holiday we haven't covered, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> His sister, Jamie, you know gives him crap about wanting to go to this blood fest, says it's lame. And his dad, uh, his name is Dr. Conway. He's played by Tate Donovan, who he, he's pretty famous. He did a lot of stuff uh, in the 80s and 90s. He was the voice of Hercules in the Disney cartoon. Oh, yeah. Uh, he did a stint on Friends. He was around quite a bit in the 80s and 90s. You'll recognize him. But his dad forbids him from going to Bloodfest and, and actually has found his wristband, which is like your ticket or what, and, and, he, and he cuts it. And, and his dad explains that he hates horror. He's like, these kinds of movies drove my patient to kill your mother. Bloodfest is just a bunch of freaks and degenerates celebrating mindless violence and gore. <laughs> and then it cuts to the ad for uh, Bloodfest. Bloodfest Blood is a gathering of freaks and degenerates celebrating mindless violence and gore. <laughs> I, 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 I laughed so hard at that bit. <laughs> it's all in the eye of the beholder, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was funny. And like in the ad, Dad says that at Bloodfest they're going to have the the actor who played the original Arborist, and they're going to have the cast of this new horror movie Hell's Nest, and there's going to be Gamekeeper karaoke, or no, there's going to be karaoke with Zachary Levi, which is hilarious. <laughs> Zachary Levi has nothing to do with horror, right. as far as I know, but but fun funny nonetheless and then we catch up with Dax uh, you know talking to his friends he works at a video store which I don't know where this kid lives right I, I haven't actually seen a video store in existence in probably 10 15 I years I know I know which is sad I love them I would have loved to have worked in a video store I, as a teenager I was really surprised to see him in a video store to be honest he's hanging out there with uh, his two friends Krill played by Jacob Batalon who is in all of the Marvel Spider-Man movies mm -hmm. and really any any movie that Spider-Man is in he's usually in he's it cuz he's like yeah. Spider-Man's best friend yeah and then uh girl friend Sam uh played by Seychelle uh, Gabriel, who I didn't recognize. She was in The Last Airbender. I don't know if she was in the live-action one or a voice act. I don't... I think I she didn't. was in the live-action one, and then and then most recently, The Tomorrow War, which I haven't seen, but it, it, Me either. it's got... What's his name in it? Chris Pratt and... Oh, right. And so he's sad that he can't go, and so they tell him that uh, he should call their friend Ashley. Apparently their friend Ashley is an actress, mm -hmm. and she is in that movie that I mentioned before, like Hell's Nest or whatever, and she's going to be at uh, Bloodfest, so maybe she can get Dax a ticket. And he calls, and he begs, and uh, she agrees. And on their way there, they talk about horror rules. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, it's really formulaic mm. we you know in, in any movie that's self-referential about horror we always get this talk about rules obviously so it can be set up that either the horror movie that we're watching is going to abide by those rules or they're going to bend them in some way yeah. or or following or being aware of the, the rules becomes intricate to the plot right like if they follow the right. rules, they're going to be safe or something and you get kind of tired of this after a while. I was kind of rolling my eyes at, at that. It's yeah. I mean, it's kind of conventional. We've seen it done before. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, probably most prominently in Scream, but we've seen it done uh, a bunch of times. But it's not like they dwell on it for a long time. No. Is you know, kind of casually talk about it for a little while, and then they go to the festival. And I have in my notes, the festival looks awesome <laughs> right and dax is like this is gonna be the best night of my life and they go in and 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 the doors close behind them like the gates uh close and lock uh behind them which maybe should be a clue that this isn't all on the up and up yeah but, uh, it's they get in there they well they yeah sorry i i'm I'm rushing because I'm trying to get to the yeah. like <laughs> the exciting part. What happens? They get in there and they almost immediately meet. Um, well, they meet up with Ashley, the actress, and her lame ass director friend, Linjamin Kane. <laughs> He's funny. He's, He's like the Hollywood stereotype. He really is. It's so full of himself, but probably but the movie that he's made is probably nothing. Yeah. <laughs> oh right, right. No, he's a nobody. Which Ashley was like topless girl number five in, but she was really hoping to be topless girl number three. 
Yeah. <laughs> she's funny. funny. She's I did not recognize her at all, but the production company that made this movie apparently it's like a fledgling company. It, uh, you know, these people built it up, you know, from the ground up and and she has been a part of it from the beginning and I think that she's been involved in every production they've done. Yeah, the production company's Rooster Teeth and um I think some of our listeners might know exactly who they are. I was surprised to see the name come up on the screen because I didn't really realize they were involved in movie production. I think this is only their third one, but they've been around since the early 2000s with Red vs. Blue. Are you familiar with that? It was one of the earlier internet kind of web series. No, I, I'm not. It wasn't even on YouTube for a while. I mean, it, was, it almost predates YouTube. Well, they had taken Halo, the game Halo. And they used the game Halo, they actually used, like, game footage and, you know, would position their own characters in the game so they looked like they were talking to each other. Anyway, kind of do screen recordings of, of Halo in order to uh, tell the story. It's called Machinima, Machinima, where you kind of use a video game in order to, you know, for cheap animation, basically. Sure. And that was a huge hit. And they did another thing, I think, called laser team or laser something and then now like i was surprised to see they've got a huge podcast like network and they've got multiple shows and you know this is one of the third movies that they've produced as well so i was pretty shocked to see that there but yeah you're right this woman ashley like she's 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 been involved in a lot of their productions i think I read uh, that when she went to co- went to college as a fan of theirs, and then when she graduated, just moved to their headquarters and started working for them. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. They meet the uh, actor who who played the arborist. Dax approaches him, and his name's uh, Roger Hinckley. And he's a douche. <laughs> he's he's disgruntled. Yeah, he's so funny. Like because he's a he's a real actor and it just so happens that his first gig was this horror movie and then it became a successful franchise that he was like bound to but like he <laughs> he hates it and he 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 says he's never even seen any of the movies he hates horror it makes him throw up and he thinks everyone's stupid who watches it i mean he's really quite disparaging for a guy who's at this horror fest and a we learned, you know, goes to comic book conventions and horror conventions and things. Oh, I mean, right. He he must just be in it for the money because yeah. he's clearly not having any fun. Mm-hmm. And then we get the big kickoff party, which looks amazing. There's a huge stage, um, and the stage is lined with these guys in these cool, like, pig masks, and they've got chainsaws. And this game master who looks like a, like a ringleader, like a circus ringleader, like a comes Wonka. out. And, <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's laughing and bombastic and he's really getting the crowd pumped but he talks about how horror has been neutered children we have a problem horror is dead i mean look around you our vampires glitter our zombies have become soap opera stars our slashers have grown dull and old We put Freddy on a lunchbox. We put Lovecraft in a coloring book. We have overconsumed and overproduced, and we have taken what was forbidden, what was dangerous, and we have made it common. And so tonight, they're going to make the horror movie to end all horror movies. And he introduces this masked character to the stage, completely masked and like in red leather comes out, you know, all backlit, looking like a rock star, and and the gamekeeper says, this is Red, and he asks for volunteers and says, uh, "If you're going to volunteer so he can kill you, and the crowd cheers, and they bring up these two beautiful girls, and Red just, like, slaughters them right there in front of everybody, cuts one of their throats, cuts the other one's abdomen open, so their guts, like, fall out. And then all hell breaks loose. The pigs with the chainsaws start attacking the crowd. Yeah. And at first people at first people don't know what's going on. Like they think it's part of the show. As I probably would too. Oh yeah. I wouldn't know how they were doing it, but I my gut would tell me, Oh, it's part of the show. That's awesome. Until then you take a chainsaw out of the face. Yeah. <laughs> then you're distinctly becomes real. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and, and there's lots there's lots of gore, there's lots of kills right here in the beginning. Yeah. The the effects are pretty good. I mean, there's some pretty obvious CGI, but it's not bad and it's fun. 
Um, so you forgive the quality a little bit because it's so much fun. Yeah. But of course, then people start to realize, you know, what's really going on and everybody takes off running. And that's kind of where, you know, that, that, that's basically then at that point, what the movie is. It's our main characters trying to make their way. The front entrance is closed. They know. So they're going to try to make their way to the back entrance. Ashley says she got lost coming in and came in through the back and somebody gave her a key card for the back door. Um, so they have to, you know, make their way through this whole festival, including getting through all of the different areas to get to the back to try to get out. And that's what the movie is about. Yeah, that's basically it. I mean, for better or for worse, it escalates very quickly. You know, the movie does not waste a lot of time in setup. You know, we get the backstory with the boy. We get, okay, his dad, who's this expert on horror now. And and by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, but he was a he's a psychologist. And like you said, it was his patient that killed the mom. And uh, it seems like he has built a bit of a career since that murder of, you know, releasing books about this sort of thing. Anyway, yeah, so so we had the backstory with the dad and with the mom and the kid, and then he goes to the horror fest against the, his dad's wishes, and then boom, everyone starts to get slaughtered, which is like a ridiculous concept. I mean, it's pretty out there. And I, I was definitely getting Shades of Cabin in the Woods throughout this. I mean, I think Absolutely. the movie was clearly inspired by it uh, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's this ringleader. He has a whole production team. There's a tower yeah. uh, there at the center of the park, and up at the very top, he has two very nerdy, uh, very, you know, straight-faced, almost bored and jokey assistants who are, you know, one's, one's looking at all the cameras and activating effects and things, and the other guy is editing footage together, so this, this guy's actually making a movie out of all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, all, it's, it's pretty silly, but yeah, we'll go with it. And uh, and it's also really horrifying. <laughs> well, right, and and it, the, like you said, that tower is like the control center, and they're controlling these people, I guess. Yeah. Uh, not not the guests, but the people in their employ, like through electronic pulses and different weird stuff. Like, so we've got Dax and his two friends, Sam and Krill, and then there's Ashley and the douchey director, and they're all together. And the first place they end up is... Uh, a storage room or something. A, yeah, a storage room where they, you know, they talk. That's when they figure out what they need to do to get to the back or whatever. Yeah. But then when they leave, they end up in basically the Night of the Living Dead. Right. Uh, cemetery. And so, you know, there's a lot of questions going through your head. And I think that the movie tries to sort of uh, put those aside, even though it's quite silly as well. Just before they end up there, I think... One of his assistants, the, the the main producer, Anthony Walsh is his name. Yeah. Who also happens to be the writer-director of the movie. The director, uh-huh. He says, uh, some, one of, I don't know, one of his assistants or his maintenance guy or somebody asks him, where do, you, where do you find people who are willing to just go out and murder all these others? And he said, I make them. Well, basically, it's like a clockwork orange type, reverse clockwork orange type scenario where he takes people who are already broken like already mental patients or something, and then plays them the same movie for hours and hours and hours and hours. And he says, it turns out that with somebody whose mind is so susceptible that you play that for them and then that becomes their reality and they they become that character or something in the movie. And so apparently he's been working for years gathering all this up. And then in the Night of the Living Dead situation, there's a funny scene where the douchey director guy you know, is like, guys, come on, we'll cut through the cemetery. What, do you really think that this guy put all these fake tombstones here, didn't even put real tombstones, and what, do you think he buried a whole bunch of corpses he's going to magically reanimate back to life, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, as he says that, a hand shoots up from the ground and grabs him in the crotch. Yeah. And, by the way, he has taken the key card from Ashley. Yeah. He decided he didn't want these bozos to have it. Uh, He'll keep it on himself. And so he's pulled into the ground and sort of like... I don't know, big blood bubble comes up, so I guess he's dead. Uh, and with him, the key card, but which Ashley doesn't point out to anybody right away. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, they cut through there, and then they run to a cabin in the woods. Uh-huh. Where they find... Uh, 
The Arborist. The Arborist. Whatever his name is. <laughs> Hinkley. Hinkley. It's, it's your classic, like, Evil Dead cabin in the woods. But then uh, they, they kind of confer in there, and they realize, uh, I think one or two of those breaks in, and they have to dispatch it. And when it falls, they notice that not only do they have um, GoPros strapped to their chests, but there are electrodes attached to the hands and arms and legs. So that these are actual corpses that through the use of electrical impulses, they're controlling, which is a huge stretch. <laughs> sure. I don't know how you explain how these things are like biting people and eating them. Like, it's, 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 it's rather silly. It is silly. What makes it even sillier is that he's got a room full of gamers who are controlling yeah. these people. Who <laughs> They don't realize that they think they're just in a game with really, really great graphics. And so, right. you know, they're seeing the footage from the cameras and thinking it's part of the game and they're controlling these zombies. And one of them turns around and says, hey, when do we get to control the victim? And like, soon enough. Okay. <laughs> the movies, I don't know if this is, it's not really social commentary, but it kind of is. Um, there's something to be said here about desens- our desensitization, our sort of blase treatment of all this kind of stuff, right? Well, I, I, I don't know if it's so much social commentary as it is tongue-in-cheek ironic commentary. Like, you make people watch enough horror movies, eventually they'll lose track of reality and they'll become psychotic themselves like obviously that's not true Uh the same thing you know the same thing with uh video games you you become so desensitized that somebody could have you killing real people and you wouldn't even really notice it Mm -hmm. i mean these are the these are the types of criticism that horror movies and violent video games face in real life and i think that the movie is very tongue-in-cheek kind of saying ha ha Uh yeah yeah, what if that really were true, right? It's that kind of commentary. It's like a response to that, like, yeah, right, like, you really think this would be <laughs> is the case. Take right. it to its extreme, yeah. Right, here, let me present it to you and show you how ridiculous that notion actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, this wouldn't, it's stupid. Yeah. But it's funny in the movie. And there's just lots, there's lots of, like, self, I don't know, not self-referential, but just, like, referential lines. Like, at, when they're running towards the cabin, somebody says, George Romero, if you're out there, save us. <laughs> and somebody asks if, you know, about the zombies and asks if there are any fast walkers and he he references the the directors that uh you know have directed the fast walking zombie movies this movie is obviously made by people who know horror and who love horror yeah. and, and it, it's made for us you know somebody like my partner or my mom they wouldn't get all they this. wouldn't get it they wouldn't get all these references and that's fine i'm not that i'm not disparaging them it's just not their cup of tea but i get all of these references and i eat them up like it's it's funny and clever uh to me even the set pieces the set piece of the cemetery looks great and you know exactly what it is and you know exactly what's gonna happen yeah and then uh, you know the next place they go uh, after they get away from the zombies they go to hotterton high which is you know it could be any high school from one of these teen slasher types of movies, but I know it's, it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And they're being chased by the arborist, which is hilarious. Like, <laughs> oh, it, it gets really <laughs> funny because because they're with right the actor playing the arborist, who apparently has never seen the movies, so they're shouting stuff to him, and he's like, no help. So there's a point at which they're they're barricaded themselves into a classroom, waiting for the arborist to come down the halls. And Dax has to tell him his backstory because he's got a plan. He's like, all right, so here's the backstory in your movie. Like, here's what it is because the arborist is killing in revenge for his father's murder. And so his whole plan is that he's going to get this actor to then play his father and approach the arborist and try to talk him down, say thank you so much, which which he does. It's a direct ripoff of uh, Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. It's not even so much a ripoff as it is homage. I don't even remember which one the it was, but there's... second one. I don't, there's one where the final girl finds uh, Mrs. Voorhees's head mm-hmm. and sweater, and she puts on Mrs. Voorhees's sweater and pretends to be... Pamela Voorhees, mm-hmm. and it works for a while, just as it works here. 
they distract the arborist long enough to get what they need, and then uh, the the dad accidentally calls him by the wrong name, he calls him Tommy instead of Timmy, or something yeah. like that, and that that's what breaks the spell. And first of all, the movie is also really funny when they first get into the high school. The only person in there is Zachary Levi playing himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not even Zachary Levi. Like I don't even know. I don't know. He was on some TV show for a while, I think, but he was also the voice of the male romantic lead in Disney's Rapunzel mm-hmm. or whatever that movie was called, the Rapunzel so movie. Tangled, I think, yeah. Yeah, Tangled. And it's so funny because Ashley is like obsessed with him and she can't stop talking about him. They tracked us down. They, they hunted us. They were killing and eating my friends. I right? think about Flynn Rider a lot. I mean, a lot. It was the saddest, most terrifying thing I've ever witnessed. Like, I couldn't believe... When Flynn smolders at Rapunzel, I felt, I don't know, humid. (laughs) There's this one girl, there's a girl that I loved. I actually, she's the love of my life, and I didn't have any other chance to tell her because we were trying to run to the school. Right before we got in the door, they grabbed her and they started to tear her apart. My hair's magical. Well, (laughs) sometimes magical. Okay, let's focus. It made me laugh. I thought it was hilarious. I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. hilarious. Somehow Krill, the fat kid, gets separated from them while they're in the high school. And he ends up at this campfire in the woods, which is almost identical to that scene from uh, another Halloween. Yes, Trick or Treat. Yes. Almost identical with these beautiful, uh, like, Eastern European women seducing these guys. And obviously they're vampires. And there's some really funny dialogue there, too, where the 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 vampire who's trying to seduce Krill explains how <laughs> the Game Master would have gotten vampires. It just lure girls from Eastern Europe with promises of visas and high-paying American jobs. Uh, yeah, I mean, America's great for that. I... And then you would surgically sharpen their teeth and you would chemically stimulate their adrenal glands so they produce abnormal amounts of pheromones, <laughs> making them sexually irresistible. Gave them some virus that made them insatiable for blood. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, you know, the other guys in the background are being slaughtered, and Krill has no idea what's going on. And eventually, it comes up that he's a virgin, and, and she's so... I don't know. I'm not sure uh, what... I, I honestly don't understand this dynamic. I think it's that she's so enchanted by his purity that she doesn't want to corrupt him or something, oh. so he he just leaves um, and comes back to the high school, and it's actually him that kills the arborist with, like, a big flaming... Oh, yeah, spike. Spike yeah, or right. something. <laughs> uh, so the, Okay, so then they're through the slasher one so they go downstairs and they end up in this creepy theater full of dolls and then they end up in Tortureville which is ob- which looks like the set or the back lot of Saw mm-hmm. Sam finds a she she had kind of had this flirty moment with a gate worker when she first came in and she sees him in a saw trap he's got his hands uh, stuck in these boxes and like he's like chained up uh, sprawled up against a wall um, and he tricks her into taking his place, and then he takes off. And in the meanwhile, there's a there's like a dummy in a wheelchair. It's like Weird Al's parody of Saw. It's so funny. This dummy in this wheelchair that's speaking in rhyme about the game and about the time and all that stuff. Uh, I laughed out loud at that bit too, just because it was it was so on the nose. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same uh, puppet from Dead Silence. Mm, yeah, that that ventriloquist. Uh, puppet but yeah i mean i don't know they talk like it the the clock is counting down eventually off camera hinkley takes her spot that's right and he gets ripped apart but not before he he says his catchphrase that dax has been begging him to say but he's refused to say all along uh and ashley this this part i thought was stupid but ashley and krill end up locked in a shower room where she decides that would be a good idea to take a shower she's like i can't die covered in filth and i thought they were going somewhere cooler with this because again like the idea is is maybe if they resist the horror tropes that they'll survive right 
Um, right, yeah. And so, like, the notion that she was going to take a shower, I'm thinking, oh, now she's going to get murdered, you know, because she's right. taking a shower. But it it doesn't kind of work that way, and it, it's kind of oddly sappy. Yeah. And then she comes on to him because he, he admits that he just came to get laid because he's a virgin, and she's like... Well, maybe I can make your dream come true. And then we cut away from that. It was just really out of place. Yeah, I like it seemed like they were going for something sweet. She's been kind of the dumb bimbo up until this point, And it seemed like they were trying to make her a little bit. They were trying to flush out her character a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just didn't really work. Yeah. It was kind of cute that they had this little sweet moment, I guess. and And then... It's heavily implied. I mean, imply doesn't even no, cover. I mean, they do, they do have sex. They they have sex. We just don't see it happen. We don't see anything. We don't even see him hastily buttoning up his pants or anything. It's like the next uh-uh. scene is just now they're there, fully clothed, joined up with the other party. Right. So they have sex. So he's no longer a virgin. In the meantime, the the father, there's a cutscene away to the dad all of a sudden who's on his TV interview that he had talked about earlier, that the, the Dax's father. And he's having this this conversation with them and he's again he's talking about how bad poor is and about how this blood fest for example is terrible and then and then the interviewer says something that makes him think of his kids and somehow he gets uncomfortable and i think he just sort of senses that maybe his son went after all and he just up and leaves the live interview right and it looks like he's going to go to the park to try to find him and then they end up in clown town uh, i think they go up through a panel in the ceiling and they end up in the middle of like a ring like a circus ring and all of a sudden, these creepy clowns start peeking out over stand-up things that are surrounding them and hay bales and stuff like that. And they're pretty freaky clowns. They are. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, the tone of the movie is humorous. So when these clowns come in, yeah, they're freaky looking, but you just have to laugh at just so many creepy clowns in so many different ways coming up. But then something happens up in the tower. The containment system fails. Yeah, it's like Jurassic Park, right? Now they're all loose right. and mixing up together. And so the director's like, well, that's okay. Just let's let's see where it goes. You know, if it was a zombie running through clown town, then no big deal. He's like, I love a good genre mash. <laughs> <laughs> so right before these clowns can attack the kids, these zombies bust in and start killing all the clowns. Mm. And the the zombies are still being controlled by the gamers. And uh, the game master goes into the game room where all these gamers are playing. He's like, you're killing all my clowns. <laughs> and, so, and he throws a grenade in there and blows up all the gamers. Yeah. Oh, it's God. Crazy. But I love that this bit where the Lenjamin was a zombie. And he was just yeah. as douchey as a zombie as he was in real yeah. life. He's got he's like he's vaping. He's like a vaping zombie. <laughs> so, Hilarious. So funny. But at least he's there. Yeah, and Ashley gets the key card from him. Yeah, exactly. But then he kills her. And I was I was I don't know, I was kinda bummed. I guess I shouldn't have expected that all of our main characters would make it, but um as kind of ditzy as she was, I actually kinda liked her and so I was I was kind of bummed that she got killed, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. What I don't know. What happens next? Then they make it. They oh they they get to the they get to the door. Yeah, they're there, and Kirill's gonna start hacking the door. I love hacking in movies where he suddenly got some wires he can just magnetically attach to this thing and right. stand there with his phone and press a bunch of buttons for a while, and then the vampire girl shows up, and that distracts him. Uh-huh. Suddenly he drops what he's doing and he walks towards her for reasons I don't quite understand. I guess he's just supposed to be enamored with her or something. He just stupidly stands there and lets her talk to him for a while. And then he lets it slip that he's not a virgin anymore. She says something about how, you know, she oh kind of admired his purity and whatever. And he's like, oh, uh, <laughs> um, about that. And he gets bit by her. And now the other guy, apparently the maintenance guy who kind of joined back up with them, but is now, I guess, on their side, Mm -hmm. he, I guess, can also hack a door. (laughs) Apparently. He picks up the phone and starts hacking, too. Sam kills the vampire chick, and and then the gate guy gets the door open, and as soon as he opens the door, Dr. Conway comes in. And he and he has a gun, and the killer Red is there, and has Sam is like holding Sam, and then out of nowhere, they're all just kind of standing there, and then Conway shoots the gate 
guy. Mm-hmm. Red removes their mask, and it's Dax's sister, Jamie. As it turns out, it's Dr. Dr. Conway is the one behind all of this. It, it, in a blink and you'd miss it conversation, one of the people in the control tower had said to the gamekeeper something about his partner. Yeah. If you were paying attention, you would know that there was somebody else uh, behind all of this. It turns out it's Dr. Conway, and he explains that the whole purpose of this, um, he's killing horror to avenge his wife's death, and he's been planning it for years, and he's been planning it with uh, Jamie. Jamie's a part of it, the sister. And so he leaves and goes off to the control tower, and Jamie tells Dax and Sam to get out because everybody there will die. And they kind of are debating about whether or not they're going to leave. Well, in the meantime... Um, somebody in the control tower realizes that the door is open and, and closes and locks it again. So they're kind of stuck in there, and Dax gets kind of all sad sack and is resigned to die and um, talks, you know, he's, you know, feeling sorry for himself about, you know, his mom and all that. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> who is his friend, <laughs> just says, F- you. What? you and your dead mom (laughs) (laughs) and she basically says we've come all this way and we've made it this far if anybody can do this we can do this and we can get out of here alive and so they're all pumped up and sam gets a chainsaw and they you know get in this great big old truck and uh they they head towards the control tower uh, and that's yeah. kind of where I guess the final showdown takes place. It's it's a little bit protracted. Yeah, it is. But whatever, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's 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 another wrinkle introduced. By the time the dad gets up to the top, it has been revealed that everything's kind of wired with explosives, and they're going to b- blow the whole place up kind of at the end. But Walsh, the producer guy, mentioned something about the pulse. Well, we can do the pulse, and... What is the pulse? The pulse turns out to be uh, something attached to everybody's wristband uh, to where he says it turns out that if you send a certain electrical signal, whatever, through the body, it can send vibrations up into your brain and make you... I thought we were getting into scanners territory here. I thought it was going to make everybody's head explode. But no, it just seems to make people go crazy, like a rage virus. Turns them... Yeah, yeah. And also the ability to just vomit incredible amounts of black bile out of their mouths. Uh Uh-huh. so. Well, the other thing that I thought was funny about this was this is actually Dr. Conway's experimental procedure that he had uh, intended to use on his patients to mm. calm their nerves. And he was like, <laughs> uh, but it but it didn't work. <laughs> like, he's, he's a terrible psychologist. <laughs> That's an he's understatement, awful. yeah. <laughs> but so they do it. They set off the pulse. And it, it, it's funny. You know, it does. It, it turns everybody into like these rage zombies, um, including the control tower workers right. and sam in the truck it's it's also even before that happens you know they're they're driving this truck through um Bloodfest or whatever and they see all these different other conventions like they see a scary nun and they see like a sadako kind of the ring kind of. uh uh-huh, the asian long black hair over their face girls and it's just funny that they, you know, squeezed all this stuff in. Yeah. Every one is like an Easter egg. So every time you see one, or it, for me, every time I saw one, it, it kind of brought a smile to my oh, face look, just to see how many of them they could squeeze in. The movie's crammed full of it. And then there's this kind of cute moment where, you know, this thing pops up and on the passenger side. And so Sam happens to have a chainsaw with her, which she, like, cuts the the head off out the window. And then another guy jumps up on the roof and... Dax happens to have a machete with him, so he stabs it through the roof and kills it. And they kind of look at each other, and there's almost a, a moment where it's just like, hey, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this also reminds me how this movie's not going to be for everybody because it is so chock full of references that I think a lot of the fun 
of the movie comes from that. Like if you're not yeah. super familiar with horror or the horror conventions or all these other things, I mean, you'll get what's going on, but you might not sure. get as much enjoyment out of it. I made the mistake of watching Cabin in the Woods with my dad. Yeah. And my dad was just pissed off by the end of the movie. He was like, you just showed me the kind of movie I hate. It's this horrible movie about people who are just systematically murdering people. And and then I, that's when I realized like he doesn't know the conventions. You know, all of right. the parody of this movie is lost. This one's a lot sillier yeah. than Cabin in the Woods is, but I think it's going to be a very similar thing for people. Like, unless you really know at, or are passingly familiar with a number of these genre conventions, you're probably not going to get as much out of it as the fanboys that we are. Right. Then again, why would you even be watching this movie? Exactly. You know, like... <laughs> There's no other reason to watch this movie, honestly. <laughs> you're right. Unless your stupid son made you watch it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway. So so Sam is also wearing the wristband, so she goes all ragey and tries to attack Dax, but she's in her seatbelt, so she's she can't get to him, which is funny. Um, he crashes the truck into the control tower and knocks her out, but she... Uh, Wakes up and she attacks him and pukes black crap all over his face. But like projectile vomits black crap all yeah. over his face from like inches away from his face. It's it's like a total Evil Dead reference, really. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. I mean, we've seen. Yeah, we've seen it before. I mean, it, it, it's it's typical of this type of thing. But he gets away. He gets upstairs. He confronts his dad. Um, his dad says that you know, we're going to get out of here. And Dax is like, what do you mean? Everybody's going to know you were behind this. He's like, no, the game master guy has been filming everything and everybody thinks he's behind it. So we're just going to blame it all on him. So then he shoots the game master. Dax is standing up to him and his dad can't bring himself to kill Dax, but he thinks that it will be poetic if he blows them all up together. So, like, he's going to, you know, detonate these bombs that are going to blow up the whole festival, including the tower, and they'll all die together. But before he can do that, Jamie, who is the red killer, spears him with one of her gnarly weapons, uh, and he falls out of the tower. This tower, by the way, is, like, 15 stories yeah. high. Like it's, it's, like it's ridiculously the tower, big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really high. <laughs> and so he falls out and then zombie Sam comes up the eleva- elevator and attacks Dax and Jamie just very casually says, um, why don't you try the wristband? <laughs> so he does, he, he cuts it, which apparently then she's fine. And even though he's covered in black vomit, they kiss and this part, it's silly, but I still thought it was funny. Uh, Dax says something to Jamie like, uh, you murdered a whole bunch of people tonight. And she's like, yeah, but I'm pretty sure I've learned my lesson. <laughs> 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 and then she says, happy Halloween, big brother, and repels down the tower and drives away. Oh. Hilarious. And like, that's, that's the end. And then there's this great credit song, which I don't even <laughs> remember how it goes, but it's really funny. And then there, there's a mid credit scene and an end credit scene. In the mid-credits scene, Dax and Sam are walking outside of the festival, and they look back from the outside, and they, they, I think uh, Sam asks aloud, do you think there are any survivors? And Dax is like, well, there are probably some people who, who made it. And then the whole place blows up. And they're like, oh. Well, maybe not. Guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are more credits, and then the end credit scene is just the rubble. The gamekeeper's hand emerges out of the rubble. Yeah. And uh, that's the end. This is a silly movie. I don't want anybody going in thinking that this is going to be some kind of amazing horror masterpiece. Um, it's not. But I thought it was really fun. Fun. And I've, I've watched it twice at this point. I pro- I'm not going to watch it again this season, but come next Halloween season, uh, I think it's a fun Halloween movie. Uh, it's It's got, you know, really great homages. 
I, you know, you said you thought the humor fell a little flat in some places. I really didn't. I mean, it wasn't all laugh out loud, but I was tickled by most of the humor, whether it be the references or the dialogue or whatever. And, you know, it was just a good time. It's not a masterpiece, but it was a good time to watch. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of a perfect Halloween movie, really, because it's just a tour de force of all of our favorite horror icons and... Yeah. And... um, uh, tropes and things like that so it's it's fun in that way and and, and it's a comedy a hundred percent but yeah i mean for me as a, as a movie of watching it i was just a little disappointed at i thought it was maybe this just maybe i sound like an old man when i say this but sometimes movies can just get a little too silly for me when the comedy's not that clever that sophisticated it seems like there's just a lot of really cheap and obvious jokes getting thrown in there it's like watching you know, it's like the difference. It's like watching Austin Powers. Yeah. You know, you're getting in for it's just going to be a sight gag a minute. It's just going to be a bunch of super obvious, kind of silly jokes. And that's what most of this movie is. But there were moments where I did, I like laughed out loud. There were other moments where I thought it was kind of going on for so long that I was a little ready for it to be done. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel a little more mixed about it as a whole just because we've seen some really clever horror comedies that just had me glued to the screen and had me really engaged and I just thought were clever and funny this movie you know it's funny it's full of jokes and things I just didn't think it was as clever as a lot of the other stuff we've seen and so I think that made me lose a little bit of patience for it (laughs) you know but and also like there's a difference between homage and just blatant ripping off I loved all the homages I thought that the whole movie in general was a pretty big ripoff of, of Cabin in the Woods, which was a movie I didn't really think you could really rip off because it's just so it's just so unique, you know, and clever in its concept. It's like a one and done kind of concept. But no, I guess you can do it again. <laughs> and this movie kind of did it in a in a much, much sillier and goofier way. And also, um, again, I don't want to pile criticisms on the movie, but I did feel like it, it felt a little cheap at times. Yeah, it, it's got this big budget aspirations because it's just taking us through this whirlwind of stuff and special effects. But there are times in the special effects and even the sets, they look cheap, especially the end sequence with the dad in front of that window and the glass. window. You don't yeah. even really see the dad fall out the window. It's like they were purposely cutting around having to actually just have a scene of him falling backwards through this silly looking window. Yeah. So, you know, there, there were things like that that I thought were um, a little distracting, but overall. I mean, nothing Nothing else really wrong with this movie. It was a lot of fun, a lot of great homages, great Halloween film, and uh, yeah. full of some big stars, big, big-ish stars. Uh, so, yeah, it's not bad. All right, well, uh, that is the first of our month of Halloween movies that we have coming for you this month. Uh, happy early Halloween to everyone. I hope you're finding your own way to celebrate this special season. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. And if you uh, are, are so inclined, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash chainsawpodcast where you can support our podcast on a monthly basis and get access to a lot of really cool things. Find us online, wherever we are. Just search Two Guys in Chainsaw Podcast, our Facebook page, our Twitter page. Uh, Leave us a message. Let us know other Halloween movies we can put on our list. And until next time, I am Todd. And I'm Craig. With Two Guys in a Chainsaw. (laughs) 